0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey.
1: I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, I
0: am really excited because, you know, if you're following us on social media, like every Sunday I kind of do like this written post there to just kind of talk from my perspective of, of what's going on with the podcast. And after the first week of this uh, WandaVision series, I kind of talked about how proud I was of uh, basically you and me in our ability to do the turnaround, Yeah, the weekend turnaround. I didn't have context for it then, but after three weeks of this, I have context for it now. I'm really thankful for the people that have been downloading this and sharing it with friends or even streaming it. Uh, We never talk concrete numbers, but we have the analytics on the backside and it's clear there's a lot of you listening. And I just want to say thank you so much for that because that's been really, really fun uh, to not only do this, but to see uh, the growth that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And I, I'm proud of that.
1: Yeah, I, I would really like to echo what you just said. There's this, you know, I mean, we started out with doing this podcast because, uh, A, we're both into podcasting mm-hmm. and, and wanted to do it. We both loved the MCU and to see the response recently to the WandaVision episodes. Um, and, and I get it. Like people are searching for WandaVision stuff, but you know, to see those, the the growth there is humbling. And it's really cool that y'all are interested in what we're, what we're having to say. And, and, you know, and the engagement we're getting on Twitter and Instagram. And we've mentioned a number of times, the, the, the people we've gotten to meet through that and under a year now has just been fantastic and really humbling. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a two way street. We're, we're just the ones with the microphones, but it's all of you that are listening right now that definitely helped make this a complete thing. So thank
1: you. Yeah, thank you.
0: All right. Well, if you've downloaded this, then clearly, you know, we're going to be discussing WandaVision Season 1, Episode 4, We Interrupt This Program. But before we do that, we are going to get into some pre-spoiler thoughts. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, this section is going to be us talking about how we felt without giving too many details. After we're done with that, you'll hear an audio cue. And then after that audio cue, it'll be nothing but spoilers from then on out. So with that being said, Jude, do
1: you have any pre-spoiler thoughts? Uh, pre-spoiler thoughts. You know what? I've been thinking about this all day. And there was one point where I was just like, eh, we got to skip this section. I just I just want to <laughs> dive in. But I, first, I really enjoyed the episode. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's what we expected in terms of like the pacing we've talked about. Okay, there's nine episodes. How long can you go with this before you step outside of it? Even with that being expected. And now, I did not watch leading up to this between the episode three to this one, uh, the promo Disney plus put out, I, yeah, you, you know, at this point I don't need to see him, mm-hmm. but even expecting it, like it, it wasn't, uh, jarring in the, in a, like in a way that like kind of took me out of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, it, it, it really kind of had me wanting more. Mm-hmm. And so I really, that, very much was a was a positive. Yeah. What about
0: you? So I agree with you. It's very hard to talk about any pre-spoiler thoughts because everything is so drastically different. I think the easiest place to start is talking about, I really think Tiona Paris really shines in this episode because we've already seen throughout the first two episodes that she's been in just how dynamic she is. And that is a continued thread here in episode four. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, aesthetically, I think this is incredibly looking. The production value for this episode was really flexing that Disney budget. And it felt like something that was straight off the big screen.
1: Yeah. I read somewhere that it was like more effects shots in this than Infinity War or Endgame, something like that.
0: That's amazing.
1: And not this episode, but I think, I think the Disney Plus shows, and I don't know if that was collectively the Disney Plus shows or just this, uh, WandaVision, but- Mm -hmm. You know, well, it. it uh, what was it? Saving Private Ryan. I think there was more explosives used in one episode of Band of Brothers than mm-hmm. like the entire movie of Saving Private Ryan, if I remember right. So it, it happens.
0: Yeah. Well, just not to get too far off on a tangent. I just found out the other day Tenet has less special effects shots than Parasite, according to like a trivia I was listening to on a podcast, which sounds really? mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Wow. Like, so, so much of what you're seeing in Parasite is is composited with special effects. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's the best special effects are the ones that you don't realize are even happening on screen.
1: Okay, so, again, the tangent. Um, as much as I give you a hard time for not seeing things, I have to confess, I still haven't seen Parasite.
0: Oh, uh, I feel like I get a free pass until you see Parasite.
1: <laughs> and And I have managed to stay away. I still don't know what that movie's about.
0: Don't, as soon as you can, watch as pure of an experience as you can.
1: Yeah, I, that's the goal.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Uh Back to WandaVision. Uh, last point, Uh you talked about this perspective shift. I think that's something that's very hard to tackle with a momentum that's already been established and not feel like it's just kind of like this road bump. I think they did wonderfully where not only did they tackle that shift— It answered questions while also giving us more things to ponder. And I think that was a really good positive
1: this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a good positive.
0: So, yeah, I think that's going to do it for our pre-spoiler thoughts. So, like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side of that, we will be talking spoilers. So, this is your last warning. See you on the other side.
1: All right, we're back. Okay, in my head, when you said Uh see you on the other side. Yeah voodoo child started playing. <laughs> <laughs> I texted you this
0: earlier. I feel like, and you mentioned somebody probably already done it. You can make a really good Spotify playlist off the music that's been included in one division so far.
1: Okay. So when I test to make sure my wireless headphones are, are or are hooked up, I'm uh-huh. playing Spotify and I was playing a one division playlist. <laughs> and like the first thing was the song of the newlywed couple the very next song was the music from the toaster uh, uh-huh. commercial. Yeah, it was great.
0: That's and awesome. Then
1: the, and, the, and the further you get, there it is. Yakety Yak, Help Me Rhonda, Mr. Sandman. So I'm looking at There's some stuff. That I'm like, I don't think these have played in the episode yet. Mm-hmm. In, any of the episodes. But yeah, it's there.
0: Awesome. I'll have to seek that out. So. We've stumbled into this new format. If you listen to last week's episode, you know, we've been kind of tackling it as most important topics that we want to discuss instead of doing a scene by scene breakdown. So the first group of things we're going to talk about is sort of this real world context, because if you've seen the episode, you know that we have stepped outside the reality that we've spent with Wanda and Vision, and now we're seeing more of what's happening on the outside. So the first place I want to start is the post blip life. For example, this episode opens up where we are seeing Monica Rambeau materialize from the snap that Hulk does in-game where he brings everybody back. And the thing that I really liked about this is we get a context of what that was like for ordinary people in a way that we haven't seen before in the MCU because even though I don't hate what Far From Home did, I wanted this is what I wanted from that post-view life of a snap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was so chaotic it was so dreadful right. and even though even though i think the comedic tone was the right choice for far from home this yeah. was handled like what i wanted
1: right well and okay so two things with far from home you are dealing with high schoolers mhm right and and so i i agree with you on the tone what immediately came to mind because it was in a hospital was walking dead
2: oh yeah
1: because Rick Grime, you know, wakes up in a hospital. Now, granted, it's not chaotic in terms of a lot of people, but but that just that that just came to mind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I really love that they that they dealt with it. I do want love to see more of that. I yeah. hope they go back. To, I, I hope they go back to it. Mm-hmm. My my favorite thing though is very quickly, like you said, we learn something about what it was like to return. Like we see Rambo, Monica Rambo, reliving basically her life as she comes back together. And so immediately it's just like, wow, Wanda, she relived all her past trauma in that moment of coming back, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, yeah, she's, it's like, you go through that trauma and then you, and then you relive it. You, can, you have to imagine, right? Like, like the trauma that happens in Ultron is years wise separate from what happens later in Infinity War. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to, to say that's the only trauma, but just to give you an idea of time scale. But then she has to relive it just all together, compacted. Yeah, like it gives you a good reason as to, not a good reason, but it, it shows like what she is, is emotionally dealing with coming back from the blip.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up because I don't think it is a coincidence that they open up the episode that way. Like not only is it an economical way to introduce us to Monica aside from the Geraldine persona, but you hit the nail on the head the way that they are kind of reliving all this past in such a compressed time. I have been seeing a lot on social media where somebody had pointed out that the conversation between Geraldine and Wanda when Wanda's delivering the baby mirrors the conversation that Vision and Wanda were having when she has to destroy the Mind Stone before Thanos gets it. Right. And so, again, not only is it just an economical way to introduce us to Monica, I think they are leaving us breadcrumbs to see more of Wanda's psyche. Uh, as you kind of uh, detailed it out there. And not only that, but we know she gets brought back from Hulk snap. And then she immediately goes and takes on Thanos. That gives so much more context for the fury that she had when she was like, you took everything from me. And Thanos is like, I don't even know who you are. And she goes, you will. And then she just like almost tears him to shreds. And I like that, that we have a new perspective of that in Endgame because of this episode.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and something you said that, and, and I remember you, you shared that with me, the, where it mirrored there, uh uh-huh. um, the, that sequence of delivering the baby and her sacrificing vision. And there's the dialogue kind of mirrored each other. What, one of the things that I found interesting is if that's the case and Monica Rambeau is someone from the outside that came in, how much control did monica lose of herself like if that's really what they were doing and mirroring that conversation uh-huh. then it is like how much control did monica not have over her own actions
2: mm-hmm.
1: during that during her time there yeah and and that would explain kind of that with monica we see it with dottie in the second episode that kind of snapping or almost regaining control if that's what if this is what's what's going on and then snap you know and and Wanda snapping them back in
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah So from there, the next point that I wanted to tackle is we basically see the origins of S.W.O.R.D., which is the Sentient Weapons Observation Response Division. Um, We get reintroduced to it when Monica is going into facility, uh, trying to get reacquainted with everything after she has been brought back from the SNAP. And again, I, I keep coming back to this word, but because I think this is a, a good example of like economical storytelling. Not only did we get quickly caught up with Monica through the snap vision, uh, maybe that's a be- the best use of words since we are dealing with a character named Vision, <laughs> but uh, we get that through the snap lens, I should say. We see the intertangling of the Rambo's witch sword itself because quickly we understand that Maria helped found it. Uh, we understand that Monica was somebody that was in a high position, um, but is now having to deal with the fact that, you know, some time has passed because her clearance isn't working. And so I really enjoyed that sort of quick, uh, storytelling that they were doing because they, they had to set up a lot here in this first, you know, five minutes of an episode that's already short on its own.
1: Yeah. You know what? That was another thing I felt. That I liked about this episode is it's still sitcom length. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's 34 minutes with credits, and these are long credits. Yeah. And it wasn't stylistically shot like a sitcom. Uh-huh. You know, like like we've we've talked about in the other ones, this three camera setup, here's where the studio audience is sitting. You only see from that perspective, uh, you know, of the house, um, which right. I think is important to note for other elements of this episode. But it had good pacing. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, for having to set all that up for not having the sitcom style, but it did make me wonder how long has sword actually been around? It, it's in other words, it's been around prior to the blip. Right. Cause like if Monica Rambeau's mom helped build it and the last time we saw her was the nineties, right. Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, so for that, for her to bring that about. And also there was a slight change. Uh, In the comics, it is sentient world observation and response department.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And this one's sentient weapons. That's, I think, a significant shift. Yeah. Can you say X Men? Okay. You can. (laughs) Wow, we're we're skipping ahead to
0: our predictions, huh?
1: Maybe. I'll edit that
0: out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, like like i'm just saying like sentient weapons um i say that about x-men but i mean same thing for wanda you know sentient weapon like you, you know and so i just find that interesting of like when was that made you know sword and to call it sentient weapons instead of world observation with in mind of like captain marvel's out there mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: And we we already know, um, I say we, because I I know we've talked about it. Uh, Recently, Tara put out an episode where she had guests on, uh, there was an idea, Uh, the guests from MCU Rewind. They brought up a point that in Thor, there was a deleted scene where Dr. Selvig refers to S.W.O.R.D. So we know that S.W.O.R.D. has been on the minds of the Marvel creative since Thor. So that might give us an indication to how long they've been around, even if that isn't made into the canonical cut. So.
2: Right. right.
0: And it's a good thing to wonder because like we already saw the fall of shield. What did that mean for sword? Yeah. And is that why Nick Fury was so quick to let Steve trash it at the end of winter soldier? It's like, oh, I'll you go to what? my sword division.
1: Yeah. Like, Hey, I got, Hey, he's the spy. His secrets have secrets. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man. Nice pull.
1: Okay. So there's two things. There's, this is kind of a, not a nitpicky, but I did find it funny. I was like, would sword really put Monica Rambeau back in the field that quick? Well,
0: that's really like, funny. that but, you went
1: cause, Cause you didn't give a sense of time passing from when she came back to when she tried to go to work.
0: Right. Somebody told me that it was three weeks and I couldn't figure out where they got the three weeks from. And that seems really quick if it's only three weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'd have to watch it again. Darn. Uh, but <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't know where that three weeks came from. Well, oh. I'm sure. No, I mean, time had to have passed, right? So like, mm-hmm. if we're going to put this in the world, she gets snapped back. Like you have to imagine she's coming back and doing that right after like when Hulk smart Hulk did to the snap. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you had the final battle with Thanos. You have Tony's funeral and you have that scene with Wanda and Hawkeye. So there had to have some time pass. in other words.
0: Right. So just on the timeline, we have it somewhere in between Endgame and Far From Home. And we know Far From Home takes place that summer. And and in this episode, there's almost a fall vibe that they have going for it. So somewhere in that window is our best guesstimate of what this is. Maybe there's somebody out there that has more of a concrete, definitive answer. But as far as I think of our collective understanding, that's the window we're working with.
1: Adam, see you know. Let us know. But like, yeah, if this takes place before Far From Home and this opens up the mu- the multiverse, like mm-hmm. Far From Home, that's a completely different watch.
0: Let's compl- say that again.
1: I said, if this opens up the multiverse and timeline-wise, if this takes place before time uh, Far From Home, that's a completely different watch.
2: Yeah.
0: It may. Because, I mean, they were, Quentin Beck was already talking about how people will believe anything these days because of how yeah. crazy everything was. We understood that as, like, the snap. But maybe there's right. more going on that we don't know in oh, that yeah. gap.
1: Oh, yeah. So, and uh, man, I'm, I'm, my brain's scattered there. I don't know why this punched in my head. Tyler Highwood already has a page on the MCU wiki. <laughs> Amazing. I, I know. I like him a lot, and I have no reason to.
0: And I think the only reason why is he reminds you of Jeff Daniels. That's the only thing that makes me <laughs> like I his see character. That.
1: Okay, okay, I can see that.
0: So, okay, just to bring it back to this episode, you mentioned how you thought it was weird that they would put her out in the field that soon. I did have a point off that, which is, even though there is some question to, to the reasoning behind that, I do like that this this implication of Monica is definitely capable of more but because of the protocol, she's being forced to work this quote-unquote low-level mission. And it, 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 it's fun to watch characters have to work within a restraint, even though we know they can do better. Because we've seen the yeah. storylines where some characters will rebel against that and be like, oh, I'm so much better than this. It's very illuminating about Monica's character that she goes along with it and she is doing a good job at it. Like, there's no there's no friction. She's just going to do the best job she can just no matter what the mission is.
1: Right. But I also thought there was like this sweet moment, right? Where she's like, who put that protocol in? And he's like, your mom. And so there's that moment of, oh, her mom, like, I took this, it was like, it's sweet. Her mom like held out hope that she comes back. And, and so like, in doing that and honoring that or following the protocol, you get this sense of like, she is doing what mom would have wanted. You know, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot there. Like it's such a quick conversation, but, but you're right. She doesn't fight back. And, and so to me, that kind of shows that honoring mom there.
0: Yeah. That, I like that read a lot.
1: Yeah. Now I do, I do wonder how her mom got cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because in my note, it's the MCU. The curtains are rarely just blue. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, I'm just curious, like, you know, they're so good at planting little things that they can come back and use later. And if she has been, well, I mean, you got a couple of things, right? Like if she has been setting up sword, it could be that related. Yeah. You know, experimentation or or something, some weird side effect of those who didn't get blipped. Or again, the curtains are blue and they just needed a reason to not have her there.
2: Right.
0: It feels like they've left enough for her character to be explored, uh, especially with Captain Marvel 2 coming out at some point. So, yeah, I think that's good to put a pin there and see right. if that's something we come back to in the future. Mm-hmm. But speaking of characters coming back, we have two main characters that come back to this episode that I wanted to zone in on for a second. Uh, we have the return of Agent Wu from Ant Man and the Wasp and Dr. Darcy Lewis. From the Thor movies, I think the I'm so I like...
1: glad you emphasized Doctor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad you emphasized Doctor. Like I, in my notes, I put Doctor Lewis all the way through.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So both of these characters enter in at different points in the episode, but I ended up writing the same note for both characters individually. So I'm going to group this point together. The thing that I loved about their inclusion of this is both of them in their original movies felt like punchline after punchline after punchline because it's a movie and they're they, they are there to fill a role. Right. And it just keeps moving forward. And this show, I love that they were able to retain that comedic value to them, but they had so much importance placed on them that I never felt in their movies. And that gets me so excited for this avenue that Disney Plus has given to these series. Because mm-hmm. take take Darcy in particular there feels, and maybe, you know, feel free to push back on this, there feels like there's so much more respect put into her character here than I ever felt in those first two Thor movies. And I I don't know, I really enjoyed that. She felt like a completely different character to me here.
1: No, I, I agree. I mean, confession, like, I don't remember much about Dr. Lewis in the first two Thor movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A, that's kind of on me, and I just... Orb 1 and 2 are not movies I go back and re-watch a lot, right?
2: Right. It,
1: it, they're, just, they're just not. I think, I think I've seen both of them once. No, I've seen both of them twice. And mm-hmm. and that's just, you know, I don't go back to them. And, and so, like you said, they really flesh out that character. And I like their ability to go grab other characters. And in, in terms of, like, retaining that comedic value, my an example for, you know, Agent Woo is when they had that comment about like the FBI wants you back. And he's like, no softball's over, (laughs) you know? And and there's a comedic thing, but the way he delivers the line, it was kind of like this, like, I don't get respect as an agent, you know? Right. It kind of feel like I felt bad for him, even Mm -hmm. though that's, it was supposed to be a comedic line. So it was like through that, you get to learn really who these characters are. Mm -hmm. And so, which is really cool.
2: Yeah.
0: And, you know, you bringing up the sort of lack of respect that he is getting, I wonder if there's some, whether intentional or not, reasoning behind why Agent Wu and Dr. Lewis bond together, because there is this feeling that neither one of them kind of get the respect that they deserve. We saw it for sure with um, with just for like just to like differentiate. I will say Darcy when I refer to the, the Thor movies and then Dr. Lewis when I refer to now just because. We know she's okay. gotten her doctorate in the meantime. Okay. Um, it didn't feel like she got a lot of respect as Darcy in the, the Thor movies. So I wonder if that's like a connection that they have between each other.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would think so. Like they, because like you said, they played that similar role in those two movies. You uh-huh. Know? Well, and very quickly they showed Agent Wu's growth. Because he pulled the magic trick with the card. It's like, it's like that exclamation point. He learned the magic trick, you know? And and so you see that, that growth. And Dr. Lewis has kind of this quirkiness to her, but like she, you can tell like this in a weird way from working with Dr. Selvick is not her first go round. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you and you, we're a big, you know. How, what was the line? Big, uh,
0: the whole uh, clown car.
1: Yeah. The whole clown car, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, she had that line or like, Hey, where's your data? Oh, so you're not seeing anything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's classified. Just,
0: oh, so you're not getting anything.
1: Yeah. That was so great. You know, and, and mm-hmm. just kind of saying it's like, like she's not out of her element at all.
0: If anything, the lax nature that she brings to it shows that she's more comfortable than any of the rigid agents that are unnamed throughout the other, uh, response team. Right. So yeah, I'm sure we'll have more to say about Dr. Lewis and Agent Wu throughout the episode, but I wanted to make sure we we zoned in on their return here. And now we're going to transition into basically S.W.O.R.D.'s response overall to everything that's happening, because a large bulk of this episode is relearning what we've seen of episode one through three, but from S.W.O.R.D.'s perspective. So one of the first things that I wanted to highlight is the first Sort of contextual information that we get to everything that's going on comes from Agent Wu, where he explains to Monica that he has somebody that he set up in Westview under witness protection. They ended up flying the coop. He tried to track him down. And not only did he find out that nobody knows who he is, nobody knows who the town is or why it's there. And so the thing that I came to, and I don't know if this is fully fleshed out enough or not, is I know we are going to, we trust Agent Wu because he's a likable character and he seems to be the protagonist of this episode. But I wonder what, whose memory is being erased here? Is Is Agent Wu's idea of ever putting somebody there misplaced? Or is it everybody else that's unable to remember this town for some reason?
1: So my note, so how did the FBI put someone who doesn't exist in a town that doesn't exist? Uh huh. But like, essentially, that's what it was—the the setup. And I still have to wrap my head around that because you have yeah. like, if that's the case, who did Wu contact? Was his known contacts? If he if he thinks he put them in Westview, then were those contacts in Westview? Was that who he was trying to contact? Mm-hmm. But he said he did hear from them and they didn't exist. So that means he did contact them. Mm-hmm. So that it can't be in Westview. Uh, I, I just feel like that opens up a lot of questions to the reach that whatever's going on in Westview with Wanda, how far out is that going? And who is that actually impacting? Because right. the episode before, we get Herb tried to tell Vision, we're all here because, and we didn't get that. You know, speculation of her trapped, of her dead, you know, all those types of things. It makes me, and, and you have Jimmy... Who speculated on, you know, Westview, like, but you can sense it, can't you? Like, it doesn't want us to get in. And it makes me wonder of, like, the reason why Monica Rambeau and Jimmy can sense it is because they were blipped. And everybody in Westview was also blipped. Huh. Do we know that Jimmy was blipped? I'm taking a guess because... Well, we well, think about it. It's been five years and it's kind of the far from home thing, right? You come back, you're the same age, but the little brothers aged five years. Right. And Jimmy, I didn't get the sense that they aged him mm-hmm. intentionally. And so in that way, I, that's what makes me think he was blipped and Tyler wasn't blipped. Right. Cause like he took over. And he has the line like half of my, half of, half of my men or whatever were blipped. The other half have lost their nerve because of it. So he wasn't blipped. And it was never clear to the extent that he, you know, because he kept asking, you know, somebody give me a visual. What am I looking at? Like it wasn't clear that he actually could see or sense Westview beyond what people were telling them. Hmm. I think and you're on. Darcy or Doctor Lewis. I don't think she. I think she was blipped. Only, only again going just off the theory of they didn't age her intentionally.
0: Right. I think you're onto something, man. You don't bring up the snap and the and distinguishing blipped or not blipped unless it's going to play out into something more. Because yes, this is an, an impactful thing in their universe. It's going to get referenced but they didn't have to set it all the way back to the moment where we see Monica come back. I really think you're onto something there. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. That's really Nick good. Sandy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that From now on, I th- I hope Nick just gets used to it. <laughs> like, I hope so too. It's like, it's like, it's like the pods version of the mic drop. Like if I we ever make one to break, I don't want to break my mic. So just neither do I Nick Sandy. <laughs> We'll, we'll
0: break Nick Sandy's ability to hear his name over and over again,
1: (laughs) but no, if we ever get to the point
0: where we have merch, we just need a shirt that says, thank Nick Sandy. (laughs) Yep.
1: Yep. Oh man. Okay. So, but yeah, so like I I do, I feel like that, 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 that is maybe what he was going to say. Yeah. That we were all blipped or whatever language they decide to use.
0: Man, that's good. Another thing that I wanted to zone in on with this whole response to what's happening. There's a moment where Dr. Lewis says there are longer wavelengths superimposed on top of the noise here. I really think this is the key to everything because Uh so far, everything has been pointing towards Wanda being the villain. I'm not in that camp. I don't buy it whatsoever. And so I think... You know, whatever is happening, the reason we're seeing it be broadcast as a quote unquote television series is that this is Wanda's secret SOS call for whatever reason. Like she has found a way to like embed those wavelengths in a way that could be interpreted by somebody. So we see that the reality is censoring Wanda based on the language used in the show. And it makes me feel like there are competing forces at play. So we've talked about this before, how it feels like there's competing forces there so I really am getting this sense that Wanda is somehow signaling this to the outside in hopes that it gets picked up, which makes me feel like this could li- lend credibility to why so far just about every episode ends with Wanda and Vision looking at the screen, smiling as though it's like a TV trope, like you know how the this, this screen right. like closes in on them. That could be the like help us. So that's what I was feeling from that.
1: It's interesting because they say Doctor Lewis says. Isn't he dead? Dead, uh huh. And and so clearly, like he is present in some way, right? Right. And even though Monica comes out and says it's all Wanda, I still I agree with you. I still feel like something else is going on. Mm-hmm. That that's either competing or causing. This, which I don't know. I have conflicted feelings about because as part of me says, I want it to be Wanda because let's take a authentic look. If we're going to go with the trauma idea. And I think it might devalue that if it just happens to be somebody else doing this to her, because now she's not actually wrestling and dealing with trauma. She's being forced to, to relive are forced to kind of weirdly suppress trauma in a traumatizing way. Mm-hmm. And, and so that just, I don't see a satisfying ending coming out of that. Mm-hmm. I'm conflicted on that.
2: Yeah.
0: It's definitely setting up for a very fine needle that they have to thread. If this is the route that they're going, because yes. at the same time, uh, I was talking to a friend about this. There is this trope of this bad trope of like having, like a woman character be so emotional that they go crazy. Like that's just, that's something that's been overdone. Right. And I can't see Marvel going to that. Well, especially as much work as they've been trying to do to course correct in terms of how they've treat uh, treated women character in the past and representation. So it feels like that would be a step back if they just rely on that trope. Right. But I also see what you mean about forcing this trauma and it's going to be a hard plane to, to land.
1: Yeah. It, and it is. And, you know, I mean, clearly, maybe it's not clear. I I think it is, but clearly it's they're pulling from House of M, right? Yeah. And so and Marvel is one of the, the classic things they do, Civil War as a title, but it's different than the comic. Right. Age of Ultron is different from the comics, you know, you know, so they do well at that. So, like while well, it might be inspired by House of M they clearly feel fine to go off script, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It, you're right. It's a hard plane. It's going to be a hard plane to bring in and land because in some ways, if it's House of M, well, is it really playing into that trope or is it an honest look at trauma and mental health through somebody super powered or enhanced? Mm-hmm. Or at, at this point, let's just say she's going to be the, potentially the first mutant of the MCU. Right. Or is it really playing into that trope? Like I, it's hard, it's hard to tell which one that is, you know, we both liked Iron Man three, right? but we know the reaction from the fandom when the Mandarin wasn't the Mandarin that people loved from the comics. Mm-hmm. And so to just simply avoid a trope to not follow in the footsteps of house of M, just doesn't seem like that's a the route they're going to take. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I think it's still up in the air like mm-hmm. exactly how this is going to play out all the way to the end. Yeah. Cuz I again it's just it was difficult for me imagining and thinking about it today I was just like for good or bad thanks to COVID this kicks off phase 4 and it's female driven and the first thing we've seen and if if this is the thread they pull through it's going to be a female titled show where she ends up the villain by the end. Yeah. And it just that car- that potentially carries on to multiverse of madness, and so it's just kind of like, man. I... But again, that this wasn't the plan for this to be the first show out of the gate,
0: right? I guess time will tell whether it was uh, a fortunate move or not to, to introduce Phase Four this way.
1: Yeah, well, and again, they didn't have much choice. Well, they did. They could have, anyways. Never mind.
0: <laughs> That's a whole different mm. episode.
1: Black Widow to Disney Plus. Oh it man. Kevin Feige, super fan.
0: (laughs) All right. So, stepping back into that question of, you know, is this Wanda's somehow distress signal that she hopes other people on the outside can interpret? I was trying to follow this out logically. You know, what is, because we already know from the episode that something is censoring key moments in the quote unquote show that is not being seen outside. So, for example, Whenever it gets, uh, whenever Dottie has that moment where she breaks the glass and we see her hand bleed, we don't see that from the perspective of Sword. Um, there was another instance where something gets reset. Oh, when Monica leaves, we don't see that. We just see Vision and Wanda sitting on the couch. So we already know that there's large gaps of information that's being taken away. Oh, so,
1: not only that we don't see Monica comes back. They don't show, and we're real time with them. When she rewinds with the beekeeper, we don't see what happens to him.
0: Right. Where did he go? Yeah. Which by the way, I feel vindicated the way they displayed how the 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 reality codified him as he was entering. That was really yeah. cool to see. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I like I was saying, I'm coming to this question, what is the benefit to censor these Wanda troubled moments? Because if it is Wanda, then you can make the safe assumption that, yeah, she would censor the disruptions because she doesn't want to be seen. But that makes you wonder, why is this being broadcasted at all? If it's not Wanda, then what motive would it be to censor the disruptions? Let's say, for example, uh, there is somebody that is orchestrating all this. They clearly have the power to censor some of it. Why allow any of it to be let out at all?
1: Yeah, that's exactly exactly what I thought. Like, if mm-hmm. someone, you know, in the quote, someone's censoring the broadcast from Dr. Lewis. Yep. If that's what's happening, then the rest of the broadcast has to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And if it's all Wanda, Wanda wants it seen. And so that really lends into your, this is an SOS type of call. Right. Because clearly there's in-credits, right? Like, there's... Well, we edit this podcast, right? <gasps> edit- you just made me think of something. Sorry, I, I need to. Interrupt. The- no, no, no. As you say, we edit. Editing happens, and they're like editing on the fly, and we see edit Wanda doing the editing, but that means everything else is intentionally for an audience need to be seen. Why is that?
0: Okay, sorry. So you had the idea that everybody involved in this somehow has to deal with being snapped. One of the names in that first episode is Abe Brown. Abe Brown is a friend of Peter's in, far, in Homecoming. I believe he was snapped. What if, the, what if the list of the people in the credits are people that were snapped?
1: Oh, I wonder if there's a list somewhere. Oh, that, that's why I got so excited. I think you just yeah. tipped me onto something. Yeah, I wonder if there's a list somewhere.
0: Oh, every oh, are we just going to come might be out ever for
1: something besides you know taking down GameStop? All right, boosting GameStop, I mean, (laughs) to go find a list of people snapped. Oh, man.
0: Oh, my God. You caught me so off guard on that (laughs) GameStop. Only because, like, I've been doing so much social media research, like, just seeing what people are talking about in the WandaVision, like, hashtags. Yeah. You would not be surprised how many people are using the WandaVision hashtag to talk about GameStop, and they're using it just because they know WandaVision is popular. So I'll be going through and seeing like WandaVision theories, and then oh, I'll, be, I'll be like, GameStonks. So you just cut me off guard. That's so funny.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Uh,
0: okay, yeah, we're going to have to keep a tab on that. I really think there might be a uh, some weight to your idea of the snap relation. One of the things that we talked about whenever we were doing our Daredevil episodes is how there was almost this sort of... A, B cadence to the storyline where, you know, episode one was A, which would set up a lot of things. And then episode two was B, which would do, be a lot of conclusions. And then they would repeat that, so on and so forth. I feel like we're starting to see a similar pattern because we had like the first three episodes, which was kind of its own contained thing. And now here in episode four, I'm starting to feel that where we got a resolution somewhat in those first. And now we're starting to see things open up again. And the reason I say that is because a bulk of the middle of this episode really is a lot of montages as the S.W.O.R.D. team is trying to find the identity of the people that they're spotting on the television show. Uh, They're you know, they have their whiteboard and, and writing out all their theories and trying to figure it out. And essentially what it is. Is they are the surrogate for the audience, aka us, and I really love that connective tissue they have, where them with a whiteboard and trying to piece things together really feels like exactly what we're doing here in the podcast. Oh yeah, and other my podcasters note. are doing.
1: Yeah, my note, who is basically doing what the fans are doing. Such great fan <laughs> service, you know. And and then and then, uh, Doctor Lewis's comment of like, "Hey, I'm working with the same scarcity of intel as you." <laughs> yeah. You know? Like yeah, it was great. But all those also one thought that just came to mind is like that whole sequence also kicked off with Haywood saying, "Is this Haywood, right?" Yes. Yeah, okay. Haywood saying the or saying he knew what the CB, CMBR things were, he said relic radiation dating back to the Big Bang. Um, it did make me wonder again, speculating what's going on, is Wanda recreating the world on top of a world that already exists? You know, is that, is that going on? And it kind of lends into something that was said with on Tara's podcast with the MC Rewind, where they suggested that Wanda has all the different powers, the Infinity Stones. Uh-huh. And if, and if that is what's going on, then her kind of recreating the world on, on top of it, because she has all those powers, rewinding and all that stuff, you know, and we've mentioned before, I we don't expect them to kind of go back to that well. And these are all just Easter egg references Mm -hmm. to what we already know. It it just, it was interesting that they specifically mentioned the big bang and it's relic radiation from that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Other things like all the people they ID'd all have New Jersey driver's license. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't comment on the city though. So they kind of left it open of like, but are they from the same city? Would that have been the city of Westview? Would that have been the city from Eastview? Like where exactly in New Jersey are these people from? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, and it was neat because even they're like discovering just like us, they find Monica Rambeau within the episode. Yeah. You know, and so we see here where Wu is actually the one calling in the, you know, Wanda, can you hear me? Who's doing this to you? You know, what I
0: found interesting about them spotting Monica in the episode, they spot her in something that we haven't seen. So there is clearly more quote unquote episode that we the audience don't get to see and i wonder i don't have a a clear enough thought of it yet what that means in the the context of everything of clearly there are more running scenes than what's being packaged for disney plus if that makes sense
1: it does but but not just that she is in the foreground and you see wanda interacting in the background Yeah. You know, and being Wanda's show, WandaVision, like that's, you know, if they're watching the show, that's the title of the show they're watching, WandaVision. And so why is Monica Rambeau, I mean, outside of maybe making that connection, like trying to help the audience us put those pieces together when they discover it. But she is in the, in the foreground where they could have easily just had her in the background and still done the same thing.
0: Maybe it lends credit to this idea that this is Wanda's SOS and this is Wanda's lens signaling, hey, here's Monica. Because, like you said, why else else have her front and center?
1: Yeah. Now, there was one thing that I didn't like was when they finally figured out how to watch. Uh Uh-huh. They have that shot. They revisit the shot from the end of episode one. Yes. That I didn't like. How come? It felt like they were like, Hey audience, in case you haven't figured it out, I'm going to go back awkwardly to the same shot that we've already showed you, Mm -hmm. you know? And and so that's what I didn't like about it because it was the, the camera angle and from where it went from one camera angle to that one in the cut, even the way Dr. Lewis was sitting, the continuity of where the character was and stuff, it was just off and it felt awkward and it was just like, no, I I put it together. That's. I get what you're doing. Like, You don't have to, to go to that shot. And so I don't know why that bothered me really bad.
0: I guess to maybe go out there on that limb with you, there is this feeling, uh, you know, I'll just go ahead, you know, peek behind the blue curtains here. We almost kind of skipped over this part of the montage of everything being discovered. And I think a part of it whenever I was writing this outline was subconsciously, there is this feeling that We're basically just retreading the same ground. Like, yes, we get some new questions on top of answers that we needed from the first three. But there is this feeling that, okay, we've done this. And I think what you're talking about in particular, where they're so handholdy with it, is the most egregious example of them retreading the same ground. Right. If that makes sense. No, no,
1: no. That's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah. And so, overall, I don't walk away from that uh, this episode with that feeling, but in that moment, I can see where that starts to, like, flare up. Like, okay, come on. You know, we got this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I did find it interesting. I I was curious of why they made the choice where Dr. Lewis didn't tell Wu initially what happened with the glitch slash rewind with Dottie.
0: Yeah. And, well, and even leading into that, whenever... I can't remember exactly what happened, but essentially, right before she proposes her idea of like, "Hey, I think we can contact Wanda through the radio," you see her look off to the side as almost if she's mulling over whether or not she wants to let Agent Wu in on this plan.
2: Right. It
0: it yeah. almost gives this ulterior motive feel to uh, Doctor Lewis. Not not for not painting it as like malicious or anything, but maybe this idea that there's more going on than we see. Because even on top of that, to go back to what you said, whenever we saw the director leave, Dr. Director Haywood,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's not spelled out so concretely, but it's very weird how quickly he leaves after they discover that Vision is alive. And so right. there's more going on than just like, hey, swords on top of this.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right because he has to get back to headquarters really quick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm I know Vision's dead, but he is. He's still a supercomputer. I still feel mm. like somewhere he's plugged up in a weird, creepy way. And then the last thought, I guess, here, it is interesting, is Darcy's watching, dang, Dr. Lewis, what's wrong with me? I've been so good up to this point in the episode. <laughs> uh, I apologize. But with Dr. Lewis, we hear the glass break, but don't see it happen in the episode. Like from 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 Dr. Lewis's perspective of watching, there's the glitch. And we don't see it happen, but but audio cue wise, they still have that sound effect,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And, and so I don't know if that was a sound effect for our benefit, the audience, or if that came through in the actual show
0: or the the WandaVision if, show. It's hard to determine what's part of the package in universe and what's not part of the package, which by the way, I forgot to say, I wanted to do a, a, a a clarification on something that I discovered in our last episode, we said we were going to settle on describing anything that was outside the warped reality as the quote unquote MCU. But whenever I was editing last week's episode, I noticed how we were saying phrases like, well, we know that's not the MCU in reference to the warped reality. And it just made it sound like we were denying that WandaVision is part of the continuity. So we're done with that idea. Uh, I forgot to mention at the top, but I wanted to go ahead and insert it here while we're kind of talking about the differences.
1: Well, I think this episode helps us establish and we can say WandaVision because they're watching the show. Now they saw the credits. It's WandaVision. One last thing that I want to talk
0: about in this whole sword response section is You know, we mentioned that they were IDing the people in the show WandaVision to real world people in New Jersey. And it's very important to notice two people didn't get identified as far as I can tell. For sure, Agnes, because they didn't have any ID on her. Right. And Dottie was not on that board at all. So was either.
1: Was your favorite on the board?
0: Yes, he was. Oh, okay. Um, So he made it. He made it. Not Dottie. Okay. Glorious mustache and all. The only thing... Well, Agnes is pretty obvious. We already have some suspicions about her. Right. Dottie, I have suspicions about her just based off the way Agnes has framed her as the key to everything. Like, get in good with her and everything will be fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The The counter-argument I have to there being importance of her not being ID'd at all is the last we see of them doing the identification stops once they realize that Monica is in there. And so Dottie's main scene happens after Monica's appearance, so it could be that they just hadn't got to it yet, but as of now, I think it's worth noting that Dottie did not get identified in this episode.
1: Yeah. no, I do think it's worth noting because the Dr. Lewis and Agent Wu, they recognize Monica and then start Kind of down that path and those questions when they had a whole team working on the identification. Uh huh. You know, so, so in that way, I almost imagine like, no, they did an idea.
0: Yeah. Good call. That is going to wrap up the whole sword response and bring us to probably the most creepy moment I think Marvel Studios has done so far. I, to, to set this up, I just, I want to say I owe Nick Sandy an apology. Because earlier this week, he texted me and he was like, man, do you think they're doing like a Bates Motel thing here with Vision and Wanda? And I straight up told him, no, I don't think Disney would get that dark. I was so wrong. And I was so creeped out this morning whenever they had that reveal of replaying the scene from episode three. But it reveals that Vision's got that gray look with the Mind Stone just crushed out of his head.
1: That was really, my note was that was really gruesome.
0: Yeah. It, it just was. And it's so funny because you just made the note, he's a supercomputer. Yeah. So it's it's like what's quote unquote dead to an artificial thing that can probably be brought back through backups of some sort of nature versus like like more of a traditional life it shouldn't have been as disturbing as it is, but it is. And I don't know. It, it, it creeped me out there. I don't have, I don't have much insights other than I was scared.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's interesting because a friend of mine who thoroughly enjoy it, but he's, he will listen to the pod and uh-huh. react, live react to me messages wise. And, and he brought up, you know, he, cause he was listening. He went back and listened to our reaction to, to the WandaVision trailer. And we talked about kind of the horror genre and how it felt like it was going to be along those lines. And he's like, Hey, you didn't, you know, y'all haven't even brought that up, you know, mm-hmm. and bringing up signs of like things you would see in a Hitchcock movie, you know? And so, and so the fact that you like went or Nick Sandy went straight to the, the psycho Norman Bates, uh, feel, like that was something I think I, I got lulled into, mm-hmm. just enjoying the way they use the television genre. That I kind of missed and forgot, like the suspense and thriller horror that they're really going for, or the the initial trailer kind of set us up for.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that we talked about whenever I don't remember that episode specifically, but I know we've talked up the idea of like, how far can you push the horror, especially in relation to our episode about should there be a rated R movie in the MCU? It's amazing how much they were able to do, because if I'm not mistaken, I think I think WandaVision's PG, according to the ratings for Disney Plus. And so they're able to squeeze the most amount of horror out of that without really having to be gruesome, even though it still comes across that way. Um, So again, that's that.
1: Again, the vision, his eyes, and just the way they, the coloration of that gray scale that they had of them was just, yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, one of my daughters is like, hey, you're gonna have to watch this and let me know if I can watch it. Like, and so far I was like, yeah, yeah. And then the vision popped up and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> just no, let's wait a little bit.
2: <laughs> oh, man,
0: I have yeah. more to say on the vision corpse, but I think we need to step back just a little bit where, you know, leading into this moment, we are seeing Dr. Lewis and Agent Wu view the episode in their TV, and it has the the sensor. And we see that Vision and Wonder sitting on the couch happily ever after. We know that's not the case. And they pause on a still frame of right before Wanda's confrontation with Monica. And the thing that I liked about it is so far, we've seen this precedent that the show has where whenever we're in that 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 four three uh, dimension, it will expand as a signifier for us going into the real world. Right. This time, we were in the real world with the four three resolution on the screen. And we went into it and it expanded into the 16 by nine and it's in quote unquote the show. But that was such a great way for them to play on that condition, that conditioning and show us that even though we're in the set of WandaVision, these are the real stakes. And that set the horrifying scene of Wanda shoving Monica out of the reality to a higher level than if we just would have started within the universe of WandaVision.
1: I don't know. We completely went through the looking glass there. Completely. Yeah. And, and because to, to push that further, it, it was really clever of not just the expanding of, of the aspect ratio, the camera placement and the cutting. Right. So mm-hmm. the screen like, you know, slowly widens. Okay. And as we're going in and you, you have that, conver- that, that shot reverse shot conversation going, but then there's a cut to where the camera is on the stairs and it kind of has that little motion out, almost feels like somebody watching from there and peeking around. You, you know, like that, that's kind of what it felt like to me. hmm Because it just had that POV feel. Like, who was that? Magnus, maybe? I, I don't know. But the other thing about that is we crossed the 180 degree line, right? And so, so for example, when you're cutting. It's in order to make sure everything's oriented right, you have a 180 degree line and the cameras stay on one side. And you have to, you can't just jump to the other side because it's jarring. Mm-hmm. There's a really good example of it in a Criminal Minds episode. And I have a note somewhere in my phone because I always go back to it to show that as an example. Because they did it out of like a mistake. And I remember watching it the first time and it was like, what the hell just happened? Why does that look so bad? It's like, oh, because they crossed the 180 degree line. Like it was a mistake. Here, they did it well. And what that ends up doing, it puts us truly in the world. So, in other words, like sitcom style wise, you only ever see one side of the house. Right. And they not only did the aspect ratio, but they crossed the 180 degree line. And now that fully put us in the world because we see the side of the house that the audience never gets to see. Mm -hmm. And that was just so fantastic. The way they were able to use that and really say like, you're in it now.
0: It's, it's, it's so clever. I, there's no other way to describe it. It's so good.
1: But, and even then the lines, like you're, you're not my neighbor and definitely not my friend. So did Wanda not realize in the previous episodes Who Monica was? So does that or does that mean everybody else is Wanda's friend? I think that gives some
0: light towards the lucidity of Wanda's knowledge because we've already seen moments where well, take for example, the Ultron reference. There was this idea that she was quote unquote remembering things from the outside world, uh, to the point that they they comment on it here when they were watching from sword. So to me, again, I keep coming back to this. I, I'm I'm just going to remain headstrong. I do not think Wanda is the villain, and it's so hard to vouch for it based off the actions of how she interacts yeah. with Wanda, with uh, Monica. But I think if we go out on that limb about how much Wanda knows or doesn't know, it's got to be so disorienting to be in this place that you fit along in and then come to... This notion that something's not right and be greeted by Monica, and not know who she is. And so I don't. There's part of me that still wants to hold on to that belief that Wanda went in there intentionally and is, because we talked about it last episode, how like whatever's happening presents you with what you want the most. And that's something you have to fight to kind of navigate your way through it. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case and Wanda went in there intentionally, then there's some. Context to what is a threat or not a threat? I guess. Right. And so, even if she didn't know who Monica is, she knew she wasn't a threat. And so, the the way she says, "You were an outsider. Uh, you don't belong. You're not welcome here. You're trespassing. You're trespassing." You know. And we see her launch her back to the real world. This is a stretch. I'm fully going to admit this is a stretch we see her blast through walls, but when she lands in the real world, other than being dazed, it doesn't seem like she's that hurt. Right. So there's some care taken in the way that she's flung from this universe. And so even though it seems uh, menacing from Wanda, I really think it's just a misdirect. And there's just some mm-hmm. some level of recognition that Monica's not a part of this, so she must go while Wanda continues her mission.
1: Hey, Agent Wu learned the magic trick and the whole point of that setup of magic was the misdirect. Yeah, you know.
0: Well, so, yeah. And, and even well, like to to go on that little point, how many times did they pull that joke where somebody says something to Agent Wu, he takes it one way and then it's like, no, we were talking about this thing. They did it when Monica was asking about his past, but she was right. really asking about why he was there, and then uh Dr. Lewis does it with the chips where he thought she was talking about children. Right. So, misdirect is a prominent theme that they have going on in this episode.
1: And what I find interesting is like after Wanda expels her, it's almost like Wanda didn't know what was going on. Cause I feel like she they played it in a way where like she's snapping out of something. You know, because like mm-hmm. then she looks and she realizes what she did and she quickly fixes it. Right. I, I guess to that extent I'm arguing against you. It's Wanda. <laughs> and this is the new team cap team uh like Iron personalities. Um yeah. Now, and I do want to circle back. You mentioned that about the theme of misdirect. Um across and again, friend who was minch who was live reacting to our podcast with me. Uh he mentioned like that theme of paranoia. You actually find that in episode 3 in the overwhelming Sense of the commercial when when the lady in the commercial just got so overwhelmed and it's kind of like that menacing, overwhelming feeling that she had to escape. Yeah. Right. And so like that was still there. I don't feel like you got that in this episode, but you're right thematically that the misdirect was completely all over the place.
2: Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mentioned that I wanted to say more about Vision's corpse. Um, I again, on this idea that this isn't Wanda, I really think that one, we're supposed to that's that's supposed to lead us into believing that Wanda's animating this corpse that is going around Westview, and it's not real, and this is just Wanda doing this. I really think we're gonna learn by the end of this that seeing vision's corpse, Was only in context to Wanda. And what I mean by that is. Whoever the orchestrator of this is. Used that moment. To scare Wanda back on track. As we've seen other people. Scared back on track. Right. And the reason I feel this is because you were mentioning how Wanda, after she shoots Monica out of the the reality, has this sort of realization of like her own powers. Up until that moment, we've never seen her use her real powers. We've seen her twitch her fingers and things move around, but never the powers illustrated in the MCU beforehand. So there is this feeling like she's starting to gain her own authority back, and I think having that moment where she sees Vision's cracked head is a way for her to be like, no, everything's fine. I don't want to deviate from the path. Right. And and especially because I'm still holding on to this idea, I don't think you go through the trouble of showing Vision's agency and scenes without, outside the context of Wanda unless he is something other than a corpse.
1: Well, yeah, because... So the questions I had bring up along the lines of what you're saying, does Vision have agency actually? Like, or is Wanda controlling him? Was that, due to trauma, Wanda's memory, right? Like, that's, Vision was really there, but that's what she saw, and when she kind of cleared her head, he's back, you know? hmm Kind of lending to the Vision does have agency idea, is when she said, what do you want to watch tonight? There was a moment with Vision where he had, like, this look of fear. Yeah. On, on his face before he went and sat, like... And we already know from the other episode, he was beginning to question. So you get this sense of, like, he does exist autonomously in some way. And then it could be the case that, you know, we just went through it. We are now in Westview. We are now in WandaVision. And so this could also be we get to see Vision as he is and Wanda... Pulling a rewind on us, hmm. meaning that
0: we so- the the corpse is the reality, and the rewind is seeing him with his face again.
1: Right, and like because we yeah. find because we're now a part of in Wandavision, like we've crossed over the one eighty line, we get to see. You know, it's almost like that that moment where we don't belong. We're the beekeeper
2: hmm.
1: and then it's the quick correction hmm. or the I have final thoughts you' blue but okay' <laughs> <laughs> we're either go gonna look to like
0: ge- we're either gonna look like geniuses or we're gonna be just called out so bad on our wrong theories and I'll I'll solidify that by saying this. I, another thing I'm holding on to is this idea that for whatever reason, whatever's happening wants to split up Wanda and Vision. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I prefaced it by saying in last episode that it felt like Herb and Agnes were trying to ca- cast doubt of Wanda for Vision, and that's why they were being shady. Right. It almost feels like now we're seeing doubt as being casted on Wanda about Vision. And so it's like they're trying to create that paranoia between the two themselves, which is what makes that scene at the end where you mentioned Vision looked a little concerned when Wanda said, what should we watch? Go back just a little bit. Wanda almost feels a little concerned in that, you know, I have everything under control, almost like she's assuring herself that, no, this isn't just Vision's corpse. He's real. And so you see this division of trust among them. Um and I think that plays into the paranoia that we originally saw in the first two episodes.
1: Yeah. 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 I think you're right. <sighs> I know. Well, I would say, I know we're wrapping up, getting into order to order they do the predictions. I do want to say one last thing that I really liked.
0: Well, that's perfect. Cause this is the, I was going to say remaining thoughts and points. So anything you would add, here's the section for it.
1: Hey, I love the, the title. We interrupt this program. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how the title didn't show up on Disney plus for me until after I finished <laughs> the first watch, um, Dedication, you know, but it is, it's perfect of like, Hey, we interrupt this program. And so it gives that implication to me that, okay, we're going to be back into sitcom world next Friday and the next episode. And I liked how they opened it in and, and this way. I'm kind of glad black widow hasn't come out yet mm-hmm. because the opening was the same type of opening as Endgame where yeah. an end game started with the blip and then the Marvel kind of fanfare. And this started with the blip and then the Marvel kind of fanfare. Yeah. Not kind of, the Marvel fanfare. So I, I mm-hmm. liked how the first thing we're seeing pretty much after end game, uh, well, sorry, far from home, but we're- <laughs> you're, Continuity you're, wise. Yeah, you're getting you're getting that. Yeah.
0: One thing I want to add, because I feel like if we don't, Talk about it. We might get called out on it. Um, nice. It was nice to get confirmation that the toy helicopter in episode two ends up being a drone that they use to to scope out Westview. Right. Uh, just lending more to that idea that we had about how everything gets codified to fit within the reality. That being said, that was the worst looking drone I've ever seen. It was totally made just <laughs> to be able to 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 make it look like a toy helicopter. <laughs> that was such a forced look.
1: <laughs> um Yeah, I, I mean to be honest, you're right because <laughs> th- there was going to be no stabilization on that drone. I mean, if you look Mm-mm. at the really high end drones, yeah, like you're like you're sword. Why'd you go cheap on the drone?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That looks like a drone you'd pick up at a gas station.
1: <laughs> it does, man. It, it's okay. Yeah. No offense to gas station drones, but it's not the high end ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Look, S.W.O.R.D. is building spaceships. They can, they can splurge a little bit on drones. Especially, well, maybe not. We saw throughout the episode how they were just like launching drones into the reality and losing them. So maybe they had to go cheap.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, hey, it's, it's a low-tech solution. Bring in the old tube TVs.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I think that's going to do it for our review of this episode. So this is going to lead us into our predictions for next week. I can go ahead and start by saying my prediction last week was that we were going to spend the majority of the episode from Vision's perspective doubting Wanda. Um, Clearly, it didn't happen because we kind of took a sidestep to S.W.O.R.D. I'm going to bring forward that prediction to this week, and we're going to see not only Vision being doubtful of Wanda, but Wanda being doubtful of Vision, and there's going to be that distrust zone between them. And... I just want to put this out on the record so that we can point back to it if it turns out right, but I'm not ready to have this fully fleshed out. I'm not fully ruling out that Mysterio and company have something to do with this. And my quick overview is we know they have the audio visual tech to cause these sort of illusions. One, the last time we saw somebody use like a reanimated corpse against the insecurity of someone, it was when Quentin Beck did it to Peter with Zombie Stark. And that's all I'm going to say for now, but I just want to put it on the record just in case I end up being right. Hmm. Mysterio... The thing that keeps me tripped up is the timelines are a little hard to work. Right, but right. I think I think we're going to find out at some point that Mysterio has some play in this, only because we know WandaVision ties into Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange ties into Spider-Man.
1: Right. So, well, Mysterio- just throwing it out there. Mysterio's drones are clearly superior to sword's drones. Um, (laughs) So he has an advantage there. Oh yeah. He's got that drone field advantage. Yeah. So I don't know. I I feel like it's a couple of things. I feel like an easy prediction. We're going to go back into WandaVision. Yep. I'm a little nervous about next episode because in some ways I want more of sword. And if they continue with the 34 minute and let's be honest, it's, less than 34 minutes cause of credits uh huh. to bounce back and forth between sword and WandaVision that that's going to be a tough juggle, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like we're going to go away from sword for like a full episode. Yeah. Uh, is, is one thing there. Other prediction. I, I, you get the sense that because on the board, it talked about a five mile radius.
2: And, uh-huh.
1: and it looked like it was growing the way they showed the lights. I feel like it's going to grow and someone's going to get sucked in. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's what some of the things we can look forward to see happening. I don't know if I have a grand ending, at, you know, end of, of season at prediction right now, mm-hmm. but definitely I think that's, I think that's the direction we're going to go for, for next episode because we only have what five episodes left man yeah that's yeah, why'd
0: you have to remind me <laughs>
1: well no, i'm just i'm just thinking like there's five episodes left right and and you just get full sword and and, and where are you going with this and i'm willing to bet the uh, the next episode is probably going to be a little bit longer probably in that 40 minute range hopefully all right it's kind uh, of I think that's predictions gonna- but okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think that's gonna do it for this episode uh if you would like to comment your thoughts on episode four of wandavision or any thoughts you have about our discussion you can always reach us at MCU need to know at twitter and instagram or if you need to write us an email at MCU need to know at gmail.com
1: and if you don't mind leave a rating and review uh we appreciate the feedback and help us uh improve content for for you, the listener, and, you know, share with a friend. Uh, this is turning out to be such a good show to, to to talk about and speculate about. And it's always good to do that with friends.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned to yourself that we had uh, people that were live texting their responses to our episode. That'd be a lot of fun to keep doing that. So if you want a place to do that. We have a Discord, uh, which you can find a link to in the show notes. Uh, The Discord is going to be reworked here soon, so it'll be a lot more clearer for people to discuss this latest episode. Um, So, yeah, we'd love it if you would come join and hang out with us in our Discord. Yeah. And finally, uh, we'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of the theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his original work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week I am recording uh
1: it looks recording. like
0: yeah so I nice. uh seem to be in that like negative 21 to negative 18 Trey uh, do you think? can you
1: hear me Trey yeah I can can you hear me don't do this <laughs> Who's doing this to you, Trey?
0: Stop. (laughs) You're you're coming in real strong for that intake already.
2: We haven't even gotten synced up. (sighs) All right.